speak in the coming moments. Heavenly Father, we give this time to you. God, we thank you. We've already worshipped you in many ways. God, thank you for the reminder of all the promises that you've made to us as your children. God, forgive us when we take our responsibility as children of God to live for you and honor you in all that we do. And Father, I pray in the coming weeks as we study the message of Isaiah to the nations, that God, not only would we hear at the church, but Lord, I pray that as a nation, as the nations of the world, that we'll turn back to you. Oh God, please, please, Lord, draw us back to you. And Father, please, please speak the truth through power and love in the moments ahead through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As you can see by the sermon title in your bulletin, Isaiah's message to the nations, God's judgment or God's mercy. And folks, before I get started, and time's going to be limited today, but that is okay because I'm primed. I, I, I feel like God is... God has been working um, in me, in my heart and mind, to share these messages with you for months now. And when we talk about judgment, I want to be sure that you understand something. As I stand here, I'm standing as God's spokesman before you, okay? I'm not angry with any one individual or with a group, and I'm not lashing out against one particular sin. Because I believe that the Word of God teaches that sin brings judgment. And folks, look, Isaiah, and this is, I stand in awe of the prophets. Because do you realize that many of them were killed because they preached the truth? Do you realize that they were responsible to kings who would seek their advice? But just as God had his men who would tell the truth, Satan had his men who would lie and who would have prophets imprisoned and even put to death. I'm just going to get started this morning, okay? But folks, I'm greatly burdened for our country and for the world. And all you and I have to do is look around us, look from Chubb Lake and beyond that there is great evil in the world today and there's evidence that it's becoming greater and greater. And all throughout the Word of God, there are times when because of the sin and rebellion of men, God's judgment fail. And I want you to understand something. Judgment is always a result of man's sin and rebellion against God and against His holiness. Judgment comes not because God stops loving mankind or even the nations, God loves all of us. God loves all of the nations. God's desire is that every nation, tribe, and kindred would know who his son is. But when we reject the message of the gospel, and when we sin and rebel against God, it brings judgment. And we're going to be talking about this. But folks, there's something I want you to see. And there's something that is so very beautiful about this. I'm going to encourage you to read the first six chapters of Isaiah. What I'd love for you to do is read the entire book. And yes, there are going to be many passages that you and I cannot fully understand because it was written around 26 to 2700 years ago. And many of the messages are directly to the nation of Israel 
But many of the passages in this prophecy is written to generations, every generation, in all nations. But folks, I want to tell you something from the get-go. The first 39 chapters is about the judgment of God that had already begun to fall and was falling, but beginning with chapter 40. And if you know perhaps some of your favorite words in the prophecy of Isaiah is chapter 40, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people. It is in those chapters that some of the most beautiful prophecies about the coming of Christ is listed. I think about Isaiah 53 where God prophesies through Isaiah that there will be one who will come and suffer and take the judgment and punishment of the sins of the world upon himself. And folks, it's none other than Jesus. And folks, I want to cry about this because you see, God's got a plan not that we would fall under his judgment, that we would fall under his mercy and grace. And the decision is up to us. And there's something else that burdens me about the book of of Isaiah, as well as many of the prophets. It was not that the nations had become so evil. It was the people of God had turned their back against God. And folks, I want you to hear this. Is the church under God's judgment if we don't repent of the sin that we are committing and are not caring and our apathy? Will God judge us? Will God stop using us? If we don't turn from our sin. And folks, it is, it is a time for the American church to wake up. It is a time for the worldwide church to wake up. Why is Christianity growing in foreign countries and not in the United States? Folks, I'm afraid that after about 238 or 39 years, if I've got my subtraction correct, the, from the birth of this nation until now, we who were once a nation under God are turning against God. And again, I'm not going to try and itemize certain sins in the coming weeks, but folks, I want you to know the judgment of God fell upon Israel not because he stopped loving them, but because they stopped loving God, and as a consequence of their rebellion and sin, the judgment of God fell. And I'm going to try and explain. You see, some people think that there's two different gods. The God of the Old Testament, he is a right, mean God. And he's ready to strike you down if you get out of line. But they like the God of the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loves everybody. Let me tell you, as you and I study and have heard Jesus say, I and the Father are one, it is the same God of the Old Testament as the God of the New Testament. And folks, again, we must not take this lightly. And folks, I want to encourage you. I know I've been doing this for months. Asking you to read passages of Scripture. Folks, I am convinced in the time that I have left as your pastor, and I hope that's a number of years, and I'm not bringing that up to to single out myself, but I'm saying I hope that God will allow me to teach you as much of the Word of God as possible because as I learn, you will learn also. And I'm just sharing with you what God has shared with me. And folks, I just want to, I don't know, I'm going to stop, I promise you, at 9.30. I'll just absolutely stop this morning. We'll have the hymn of decision. But folks, I just want to read these first 20 verses. I know in your bulletin it's, it's through verse 18. But I want to read the first 20 verses of chapter 1 of Isaiah. And Isaiah, his, his prophecy is different in that most of the prophets immediately, they introduce you to who they are. But Isaiah does not tell us 
who he is until the sixth chapter. And he tells us about his call. He is taken up into the very throne room of God. And God is talking with the heavenly council. And God is disturbed, not out of control in any sense, but he sees all the sinfulness of even his own people. And he says, who will go? And you know what Isaiah says? I'll go, Lord. I'll go. And folks, I believe this is a message to you and I as Christians and you and I as the church of Jesus Christ in the year 2015. Sin is great in our world, but God still has His church here. And He has placed us here at a strategic moment in history. It is not a time to become apathetic. It is not a time to lay the things of God aside and say, the world's not going to listen anyway. And folks, I want to tell you something. There's, I, I'm full of a lot of things, but I'm full of it this morning in the sense that it overwhelms me about, about Isaiah. Isaiah, it is thought, prophesied or was a preacher for 58 years. It's not recorded as a historical fact, but Jewish tradition has that he is sown in half. He is killed because of his message. And I remind you that the Lord Jesus Christ, when he was talking to the scribes and Pharisees and he was condemning them for their turning against God, he says that the city of Jerusalem has slain many of the prophets of God. Isaiah was willing to give even his life. He knew that he would be opposed. Folks, you and I are going to be opposed by Satan himself and by every other force that he can send against us. And I don't want you to lift your hand, but how many of us are really distraught and discouraged as Christians right now? And we're just ready to just kind of hang it up. We'll go through the motions. We'll come to church. We'll come to Sunday school. We'll do some good stuff out in the community. But as far as thinking God's going to bring revival, are we just ready? We're just sitting here waiting for the Lord to come back. Folks, let the book of Isaiah, let... The Word of God. This has been a morning, had it? I can't even keep my glasses on. Let the Word of God speak. And folks, that's why we need to get back into the Word of God. The Word of God will draw a nation back to itself. And folks, it burdens me. And again, I'm not going to try and itemize sin. But folks, we're taking the Word of God out of everything. We're taking the Ten Commandments off the walls. This is going to be a part of the sermon where I'm going to say, if we went back to the Ten Commandments, let's take, for example, thou shalt not murder. I'm told that in the city of Chicago, on an average year, there were over 400 murders. And I'm not trying to pick on Chicago. I believe this year there have been 156 murders in the city of Baltimore. I don't know how many murders have been committed in in person canny. But just think, if we got back to the Ten Commandments, what a big change it would be in our society. And folks, we are literally destroying our nation by turning away from God. And one of the problems is we want to rule instead of letting God rule. None of us like for somebody to tell us what to do. Probably some of you might be mad with me now because I'm trying to tell you that we need to turn from sin. And if so, I'll consider myself like Isaiah because I didn't want to hear what he had to say. It's a hard message, isn't it? You young people, you don't like for your parents to tell you what to do. I've been there. I didn't like for my mom to tell me what to do. I didn't like for my brothers to tell me what to do. I didn't like for the preacher in the pulpit to tell me what to do. I didn't like the school teacher to tell me what to do. And that was my biggest problem. I could not listen. I thought I knew everything. 
And folks, that's what the nation of Israel was doing, and it brought judgment. And I believe that's what the United States of America as a whole is doing right now. We don't need God. And so, folks, don't be surprised at the judgment of God falls. i got four more minutes. Here we go. All right. Warren Wearsby has said that chapter 1 of Isaiah describes a courtroom scene. Guess who the judge is? It is God. And he is stating his charges against the nation of Israel, who is his people. You remember again from the studies in Abraham, God kept promising, I'm going to make you a nation. And as long as that nation follows me, and I'll give you examples of that, of that teaching in the coming weeks. If these people follow me, I will bless them. But if they disregard me, if they turn away from me, the automatic consequence of that is it will bring judgment upon them in curses. So here we are in God's courtroom. Verse 1, the vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. You remember the kingdom of Israel had broken down into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom, the southern kingdom. And he says, in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, Hezekiah. Isaiah serves during a time of four different kings. Some were good kings and followed God and some were evil kings. And listen to what God says in verse 2. Here's the message to the entire world. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. Sons I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. And folks, in verse 3, he, God is going to point out how simple animals are smarter than the nation of Israel because they obey their owners. Listen to verse 3. The ox knows its owner, the donkey its master's crib, but Israel does not know, my people does not understand. And then listen to the description of Israel. I, sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity, offspring of evildoers, sons who deal corruptly, They have forsaken the Lord. And folks, one of the things I want to point out in the coming days, Isaiah has such a great respect for God. One of the terms, and and I think it's on your bulletin today, the term Yahweh. That That was the most sacred of names for God. It meant the Lord God. And in most translations of the Bible... The Lord or the Lord God is the word for Yahweh. And that word was so sacred that even in the Hebrew language, they did not put vowels in it so that they could pronounce the word. And, and, and I'm told that the scribes, when they would write the words, the consonant for, for Yahweh, that they would wash their hands because they thought that they were so unclean. And that sounds silly to us today. But folks, listen, do we respect God anymore? Do we? Do we respect Him enough to spend time with Him? Do we respect Him enough to bow our knees in prayer? Do we respect Him enough to read the Word of God? Do we respect Him enough to give Him our time? You know, one of the pities of our day, we're pushing God farther and farther into the back recesses of our life. 
And folks, again, I'm sharing this with you because God has shared it with me. I'm doing the same thing. And folks, every breath is a gift from God to us. If He brought us into this world, He can take us out at any moment, can He? Well, then we ought to be giving every moment of life in submission to Him. But do we? Do we have the respect for God? You remember when Jesus came, John tells us He came into His own, but His own received Him not. If Jesus Christ came back today to walk through this community, how would He be treated? How would He be treated? And folks, you and I as the representatives of Jesus Christ, we're walking through this community. We're walking through our world representing Him. The people see within us the respect for God that he rightly deserves. Folks, again, before I close, it's about judgment. But look, in verse 18, God gives an invitation. Come now. Let me read that verse, and I, 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 promise, I, I promise I'll say a prayer. Verse 18. Would you go to that? Thank you. Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet. Listen to this. They shall be white as snow. Though they're red like crimson, they shall become like wool. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured by the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Folks, it's up to us. God wants to bless us. He wants our lives to be full. He wants us to know Him in the fullness of who He is. He wants to walk with us and talk with us. And He wants to use us. But the choice is ours. May we not make the mistake that Israel made. May we turn from sin and turn back to God as individuals, as a church, and as a nation. Let's pray. Father, please speak through your word. God, I thank you for Isaiah's life. And God, surely it must have been such a hard time for not only Isaiah, but the other prophets who stood faithful to the word of God and who are willing to stand up and say that sin will condemn the nation, but obedience and serving God will bless it. Oh, God, help us. Help us to see where each one of us is in relationship to you. And God, if we are sinning against you, and if we are not wanting you to tell us what to do, God, please help us that we'll turn back to you. And God, please help this world. Help us, Lord, to turn back to you. Help this nation, Father, to repent of sin and and as a nation, turn back to you. God, thank you for your amazing grace that regardless of the greatness of our sin and rebellion that you're ready to receive and forgive. And God, I pray that you'll use this church, Father, not only to speak the message of judgment that could fall, but Lord, most especially the message of grace, that there's hope, that where sin did abound, grace abounded more, and that grace is found in your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Father, for sending him to die and take our sin and judgment upon himself. Thank you that that day in which we stand before you, Father, that our sins have already been paid for in the blood of Jesus Christ. God, energize us so that we'll be faithful in living for you this week, knowing that perhaps we'll run across someone who does not know your son as Savior. And, Father, they'll see your son in us, and they'll turn to you and be born into the kingdom of God. Bless us, Lord, in the coming weeks as we study this passage of Scripture. We ask in Christ's name. Amen. Our hymn of invitation, our hymn of decision is number 428, Speak to My Heart. Have you asked God to do that lately?
He wants to. He doesn't want to be a silent partner. He wants to tell us his love, his will, and his purpose for us. And I pray that we'll listen to him as he speaks. Number 428, if you need to make any type of decision led by the Spirit of God, would you come? The altar is open. Number 428.